It's not even close to the same. There's a higher distinction in this. There's something completely different. Because when he says, you're my friends, what he's saying is, I'm going to commit myself to you. You are my hands and my, my feet extended. I'm going to give you everything that I know and I'm going to trust you to fulfill the Father's will. Like some, something has shifted. They saw miracles and he, yet he didn't trust them. 13 chapters later, it's like, I'm going to bestow upon you everything that my Father has taught me and now I'm going to call you friends. So this is what I want to suggest. Here's my suggestion, yeah? that there's something that's required of us or a way of living that's our responsibility, if you like, to have that title friend. Because I believe that you can carry the title of son and daughter and not live as a friend. I believe that you can be a son and a daughter in a family and not have a relationship with your mum or your dad as a friend. Yeah? You're just the son and daughter. But something here is deeper. Something here is required. You know, for you and I, it means that we can't be the same as everybody else in the world. Everyone says amen to that, yeah? All right, let's go a little bit deeper and don't throw stones. We can't be the same as those that say they know Jesus but are not intimate with him. Yeah? It's not just about us being different to those that don't know him, that are unsaved, unchurched. It's about us living completely differently because now he calls us friends. So we can't be like everybody else. I reckon Timothy spelt it out well. So let's have a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 reads, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Most people are generally speaking, would say that, you know, we're in the last type of days. A lot of the stuff's already happened through Matthew, all that sort of stuff. If you follow your theology, we're in the last days. So he's saying that there'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Never. Not my kids ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, unforgiving. Oh, that's a, that's, you know, must be in the last days. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous. Do you know what the NLT uses as a description for the word treacherous? They will betray their friends. Rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm not talking about the unchurched. I'm not thinking the unchurched, unsaved. I just think religious. That's why if you... That was the NIV. If you have a look at the NLT and some of the other versions, they actually use the word the religious. So people who say that they know Jesus, they've got the title as a son and daughter because of what he did on the cross, but they've never stepped into friendship with him. They've never gone deeper. They've never heard him cry out and said, hey, you know what, because you've done what I've said, I'm now going to call you my friend and I'm going to reveal everything to you. These people looked godly, yet their lives did nothing for the cause of Christ. 
brought no glory to him. You know what? If you and I want the title friend, we can't live like that. We can't live like that. We have been saved for more than being like everyone else. We're his friends. That means that we can't be lovers of ourselves. See, you don't have to be all of those things. You can just be one of those things. We can't be lovers of money as his friend. We can't be boastful or proud or abusive. We can't be disobedient to our parents. We, we can't be ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. I have experienced some of the worst cases of unforgiveness from people that say that they are Christian. They've not stepped into friendship with Jesus because there's something more in that. Yeah? They're living a life where they've got a form of godliness, but they're denying its power. It gets better. I'm going to show you how to live part of a friendship life, part of the title of being friend. Because there's a practical way, there's a, and then there's a supernatural life too, yeah, spiritual life that we live. You know, I want to suggest that Jesus found complete satisfaction in his heart when he called us friend. Think about it. He didn't say, now that you keep my commands... I now call you my disciples. Did he? Never said that anywhere. What's a disciple of Jesus? A disciple of Jesus is a student, someone that sits and learns. Yeah? So he's, he, he, he flat out says, you know, you've been doing everything, you know, you've been doing what I commanded. I no longer call, call you servants. I no, no longer call you doulos. I no call you slave. I, I call you friends. So this term friend is even, if you're asking me, is even greater than being called one of his disciples. You know, to say that you're a friend is probably as far as anyone could possibly go. There's nothing beyond it. When you get to that place in your, friend, in your relationship, when you can say, you are my friend, not in the way we know it in the world, but in the way that it's being used in this context, You've gone as far as you can go. That's it. That's why he's able to say in John 15, 13, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. That means if he's laying down his life for his friend, he must be a friend to that person too. Is that a simple mathematics there? That makes sense, yeah? I can't call you my friend if you hate my guts. And if I don't, you know, and vice versa. You know, like it really takes two to make a friendship here. So how rich, how precious, how awesome is it that he calls you and I friend? Like seriously, think about it for a minute. He calls us his friend. So how does a, God, how does a friend of God live? I'm glad you asked. Some of this stuff's going to be like, oh, we know that, Andrew. We know, we know that. Yeah, we, this is so simple, we know that. But you know what? I, I, I just want to ask a question of all of us. Because for me... Part of friendship is built on frequency. Yeah? Think about it. We spend more time with our closest friends than we do with all the others. We enjoy their company. They enjoy our company. I understand that occasionally those friends might move somewhere or something happens, pass away, and you can't meet with them. But while they're you know, reasonably located, you spend more time with them than anyone else. Do you know, Jesus spent every waking moment 
with his friends. And if he wasn't with his friends, then he was spending time with the father. And the father was his friend anyway. Yeah? So we can get so busy in life, in our, our, our developed first world nation, that we actually spend less and less time with our friends. Yeah? Because we're so busy. We spend less and less time with the one who calls us friend because we get so busy. You know, the word brings clarity because in Hebrews 10, it says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Acts 2 says, They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Oh, pastor, we can't do that. Life's too, I've got kids, I've got a job, I've got work, I've got study. I've got to study. Oh my, I've got to, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. What is that saying? Yet yeah, we're so busy that he calls us friend. We can't spend time with him. We call each other friends and we don't have time to spend with one another. How are we ever going to get to this level of intimacy where the Father wants to reveal the mysteries of heaven to his sons and daughters? As a friend, as God's friend, we're supposed to enjoy his company. Yeah? Man, if, if church is a bore, find a church that's not a bore. You're supposed to enjoy his company. Seriously, if Mount Clear Church is doing your head in, there are ample churches in Ballarat, like too many for the population. Find one that excites you. If you're spending time with people and all they do is rub you up the wrong way, then find people that you love to spend time with that love the Lord, yeah? Because we're supposed to enjoy each other's company. We're supposed to enjoy Papa's company. We're supposed to long and enjoy and worship, not because we have to, because this is rocking. I love this stuff. You know, I remember, I've shared this, I haven't shared this for ages. I remember when we had a worship service here that, that just went forever um, because God was just doing stuff. And I remember one of the local pastors that said, man, what did you do in all that time? How can you be in there for such... Mate, we loved it. We were disappointed that it was like, oh, we better wind it up. I'm sure some people have to go. Because we, we wanted to be in that atmosphere with him, our friend. Yeah. It's not like, oh, my goodness, have they finished singing it? Oh, that communion speaker, why do they keep getting that person up? Oh, oh is he preaching again? Oh, if I'd known, I would have sent my wife. You know? <laughs> That's not how it's supposed to be, is it? Yeah? When someone rolls up to your door, are you like, awesome? I know that we like our private space occasionally, you know, and we recharge differently. But if it's a brother or sister in the Lord, the Bible says that our hearts testify. You know? There's something that happens in that meeting because if we are friends. If you had to rate your friend status yeah, with the father or with each other, how would you rate it? Seriously, just for yourselves. Just think about it for a minute. 
you had to rate your friend status with the father or with each other, how would you rate it? And here, a personal question. What keeps you from getting together with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with each other more regularly? What stops you? What can you do? What can you change to make it more consistent? Because friendship, if we're called his friend, if we want that title, begins with frequency. You know, we've covered this so much, I believe, in our church, but friendship's also built on authenticity, isn't it? Being real. We've talked about it over and over and over. And it's about being vulnerable. It's about being open. It's about being those things with Father God, with, with Papa, but also with each other. Yeah? Let me say too, yeah, that in being vulnerable, being open, doesn't mean that I share my deepest, darkest secrets with each and every one of you. Yeah? It means that there are some people in the house that I have a close, intimate relationship with. And so I journey with them and I share with them. Yeah? It's the same with Father God. We're supposed to be vulnerable with him, completely open with him. You realise, uh, this might be, come as a shock for some of you, but you do realise that you can't keep a secret from God, don't you? Like, I'm just putting it out there. You know the stuff that you do that nobody else knows? I, I'm just, I'm going to let you know, I want to burst your bubble right now. He knows, yeah? You know those, those that thought, oh, yeah, that thing, yeah, that thing, really, just thing that you just, he knows. So you may as well be authentic when you spend time with him. You may as well lay it on the line and just share it with him. He won't be shocked. He already knows. It's not going to catch him by some, Alan, you're doing what? I had no idea you were feeling like that. I'm so... You'll never hear that from Father God. Yeah? It'll be like, man, you're sharing it. Now we, can, now we can work on this together because you're a friend. Sons and daughters, like my sons and daughters, they keep secrets. Normally, as a father, as they're learning, I know everything and I will find out. Most things, anyway. And it, it actually works for a, a long time that they actually believe that, by the way. So sow it into your children when they're really young that you know everything. So when they're older and they're keeping secrets and you happen to hear of one, share that you know it and they actually think you know everything. It works really well. Until about the age of 13 or 14 and then you start to lose it a little bit. But God legitimately knows everything. Romans 12.9 Don't just pretend to love others. I really love that. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Don't just pretend. Don't call yourself a friend of God if you cannot be a friend of his and a friend of those that he calls friends. Don't call yourself a friend. Don't do it. Let it go. You're kidding yourself. You have a form of godliness, but you're denying its power. Don't fake it. Be genuine. Be the real you. Allow others in. It's okay. You can tell them in love, I'm okay that you drink tea. I pray for you daily. 
Just be who you are, who God created you to be, and you're created to be his friend. Be the real you and let Father God in. What does James 5.16 say? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Let's read this in the community version. Hide your sins from everyone so that no one prays for you so that you may be healed. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't. So why do we live a life where we do stuff alone? We keep our struggles to ourselves, we share them with no one, and we wonder why we feel like we're hitting our head against the wall. If you don't share, you don't care. You should write that down. Yeah? If you don't share, you don't care. What does that mean, Pastor? That doesn't mean just because I don't share with you what I'm going through, it doesn't mean that I don't care for you. You're right. You're totally right. It doesn't mean that. What I'm saying is, if you don't share, you don't care for yourself. Yeah? If you don't share what you're going through with the Father and with those that are your friends in the family, then you don't care for yourself. See, the scripture says that when you live this way, it says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. So what has no power that produces no results? So why do we do that? Why do we keep it to ourselves? Why do we so believe in vulnerability and openness and transparency? Why do we believe in all that until it's got to do with us? I don't want to share that. They, that person, they, they're going through such a struggle. I wish they would just open up. If they'd only share it, their healing would come. Then you go through something and you share it with no one. Because all of a sudden it's personal. All of a sudden it's you. But it's the confessing of. Yeah? It's the sharing. If you do not share, you don't care for yourself. Because how much value do you place on your own life? On your life? Not the person's life next to you. Your life. Yeah? So we often place value on others, go out of our way to help others, but we so easily neglect ourselves. I, was, um, I took Samuel to tennis, to play tennis yesterday. And um, one of the dads, uh, Rick, has... Um, got a farm, about 65 acres, and he's got himself a nice air-conditioned tractor. It's not what he does for work, but he's out of work, so he's enjoying his brand-new tractor at the moment. They're like, no food's allowed in it. Like, seriously, it's, it's, it's nicer than the car, yeah? But he shared a story yesterday, shared this yesterday, and it was just perfect, yeah? Just perfect. He said, I, I'd, I'd cleared up a lot of our land, and I had all these rocks, just rock upon rock upon rock upon rock. And so I put an ad in the paper, and I said, free rocks. Here's the address, come and pick them up. He goes, I think it was about a week and a half. It was, you know, he had posted in the paper. Two weeks might be an exaggeration. Not a single call. Not one, yeah? Now get this. He's not a church-going man, yeah? He happened to go to church in that week and a half, two weeks. He happened to go to church. And wherever it was, the minister was talking about value and what value you place on things. So he's in church for one of the few times that he goes every year thinks, you know what, we'll see if this works. So the next week, he changes the ad in the paper to $10 a load, yeah? 
115 loads later, yeah? Because obviously, I mean, I learned something yesterday. Rocks that cost you something have more value, yeah? 115 loads. Tax-free. Cash. That's awesome. I'm going to dig up rocks in my backyard. Actually, I should just come to the church. There's plenty here. Can you believe that? So how much value do you place on yourself? If you don't place value on yourself, you'll never step into places where you can get care. (laughs) Some people may charge more. You know, we need to be honest with Father God. Hey, Dad, I'm struggling here. You know, we need to be honest with with Papa. We need to be able to say, hey, I'm losing this battle. We need to change the lyrics of the song, Help Me Rhonda, to Help Me Jesus, Help, Help Me Jesus, you know? We need to be able to do that. We flat out need to be able just to be totally honest with him. And it gets easier the more time you spend with him because you're his friend, you realise that friendship's built on frequency. Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So just be honest. Put it out there, yeah? Nothing, it says in verse 13, in all creation is hidden from God. Nothing. Not some things, not your things, yeah? No things, nothing. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes and he's the one to whom we are accountable. So nothing's hidden. So just be authentic with him. Just do it. If you want to live as a friend, If you don't want to live as a friend, if you're happy just with the title of son and daughter, but you don't want any great revelation, you just want to live on information that other people give you, you want to live off their experiences, not your own experiences, then don't share anything. Keep it a secret. And, you know, while everybody else is sharing, you'll be wondering why you're not experiencing the same stuff. They just need to remind you of a couple of scriptures, don't they? It's not worth keeping a secret. Look what happens when you, when you actually are transparent and open. Verse 14, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. In other words, we sang that song, he's overcome, Yeah. So verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of, great, of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we most need it. I'm struggling with this. I've been struggling for ages. I can't believe it. I don't know why I'm not going through it, why I'm still going through it. Maybe it's time just to give it to God, to be honest and open with him. Not to pray prayers and say, God, I'm really struggling and I just need your help to be specific. Yeah? God, I'm, anxi- I'm riddled with anxiety. God, I'm struggling with pornography. Whatever it is. Lord, I've got this jealousy. I've got this anger. Whatever it might be. I have this doubt in my... Put it on the table because he knows it anyway. And when you do that, go boldly before the throne of our gracious God and there you'll receive mercy. Yeah? And you will find grace to help you when you most need it. Some of us are still struggling with our temptations and with this and that because we've just never brought them to the Lord. We've never walked it out with our friends. We've never shared openly 
We don't have a mask, but we have a wall that only lets certain things through. He just wants us to be authentic. You know, there are enough people in the world today that struggle, struggle with all kinds of stuff and it leads them to bouts of depression and all sorts of, all sorts of things. There are enough people already. Let's not be those people when we've got an answer, yeah? So the reality is we so often, amongst those that we call family, we just live secret, hidden struggles in our lives, yeah? And we never totally overcome because we're trying to do it alone. But this is family. You're not supposed to do it alone. You're just not. Just not. If you want to do it alone, you just, you know, 50 years ago, the Catholic Church was preaching in some, what was, what was the language? I just, just had a blank. Latin, thank you. You know, the priest was facing the wall. There was no relationship. You want that, you can find that. Go for that. It's not what you're called to. You're called his friends. You're called into something deeper, something more intimate. So how's your authenticity with Father God going? How's your openness with your friends going in the family? You know, what's going to encourage you to be open? And in fact, probably a better question is, what holds you back in your friendships with him and with each other? What is it that holds you back? Could it be pride? Could it be fear? What is it that holds you back? You know, friendship's built on maturity. You know, when Jesus calls us friends, he commits himself to us and he trusts everything with us. Everything that needed and needs to be done, he, he trusts it with us. So he's trusting us to reach others with the gospel, isn't he? To reach others with the things that we've been given. You know, Romans 1.12 says, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You and I have all a gift of faith, a measure of faith. We all believe in the King of Kings, but we need to step into friendship so we can start to share things with each other. The New Century version of that scripture makes it even clearer. It says, I mean that I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. Yeah? That takes a mature person. That's another area of our friendship that we need to grow in, yeah? The scripture only works when we're spending time together, frequency. The scripture only works when we realise that we're friends, yeah? That there's a deeper level of intimacy here. The scripture only works if we've spent the time with the one who calls us friend. And because he calls us friends, then we need to share what we've received. So... If he's calling me friend and he's my friend, I need to share that with you. I need to share that same level of friendship with you. I need to make the same sacrifices, the same decisions, make the same commitment. You know, the scripture only works when you realise who you are. You're a friend of Father's, Father God's. You're a friend of Jesus. Life doesn't work any other way. It really doesn't. It's quite boring every other way, to be honest. So now that you're his friends, let's freely give what we've been given. You know, 
Be mature. Be there for other people. If one falls down, pick pick them up. Don't poke your finger at them. Don't kick them while they're down. They just haven't matured yet in their faith. They haven't reached where you're up to. See, we're all on a journey. None of us have arrived. If I, I don't have a whiteboard, but if the cross of Jesus was here and our relationship was here as a point, there are all of us, some of us are over here, some are up there, some are down here, some are here. We've all said yes to him. We're all sons and daughters, but we're walking in our intimacy closer and closer to him, becoming more and more like his son. So when you encounter someone that's over here, but they're on the journey and they're over here, don't point the finger at them. Don't judge them. Don't kick them. Love them like he loved us because we're his friends. And you can do it. You're mature enough. Friendship requires maturity. You can do it. You've got the faith. You've got the belief. You've got the Holy Spirit. You have the ability. Believe in yourself. How much value do you place on yourself? Believe in yourself. You and I have all been called for such a time as this. The words of life are inside of you, ready to come out. Share them with those that are around you. I mean, a good friend would do this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. I love it. Warn those who are lazy. It doesn't say beat them up, bash them up, kick them, ridicule them. It just says warn them. It's talking about those that don't place value on themselves and on their faith. Yeah? So you share because you care. You're a friend. You're entitled. If you've spent the time, the frequency, you've then earned the right to say, hey, you know what? We haven't seen you much at church lately. We really miss you. You know, I, I met um, recently with, with um, a couple and we were just talking about their relationship. And part of my just conversation with them was, Do you know, you, you probably need to spend some more time with God if you want to build your relationship. There are couples outside that don't know Jesus that have got a great relationship and they work it out, you know. Husband, wife, here they are working it out. But the closer you build in your relationship with God, the closer you get in your relationship. So, hey, I'm just putting it out there. We haven't seen you much lately. It should be a focus. But I could say that in such a way that they weren't offended by that. We sat and we spoke about it because I spoke as a mature friend. Yeah? Because I've spent time with and I've been open and honest and transparent and vulnerable. Jesus is all of those things with us, isn't he? 1 Thessalonians continues, it says, Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. That's how a mature friendship works. That's how the Father works with us. Yeah. This is how a person that is called a friend lives. And I'll just say it again. You don't have to take on that title. You can just be a son and daughter, not be a friend and do everything that's opposite, but he's only going to share the mysteries of heaven with his friends. 
So you decide. Mysteries of heaven, be like Jesus, do what he did. Just carry the title of son and daughter, not do anything, receive no mysteries and live off other people's experiences. You can choose. It's up to you. I know some that will go, oh, that's much better. I personally think that it's better over here. But it requires something of us. It's got nothing to do with our salvation. We're not working for that. But we have to work on our friendship, just the way I work on it with Samuel and Nathan. Even if I'm failing, I'm still working on it. We can't live like everyone else. We're supposed to be different. We're called friends for more than just day-to-day living. You know, Romans 12, 10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. The NLT says, Take delight in honouring each other. The NCV says, Give each other more honour than you want for yourselves. That's brilliant. Yeah? Jesus, in dying on the cross, placed more honour and value on us than he did his own life, didn't he? And then he calls us a friend. If we can just see what we've received, you know, ask yourself this question. What, what could I use the most support for my spiritual life, my spiritual walk? And in fact, where can I be a support for others like that? That's being a friend. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Friendship's built on mercy. You know, God gave us mercy when we didn't receive what we did deserve. <laughs> yeah, you have, to, you have to put it through your head. It's like a tongue twister. God gave us mercy when we didn't receive what we did deserve. Yeah? And now he calls us friends. So that's why it says in Colossians, make allowance for, others, for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so forgive others. So you must forgive others, yeah? So now he gives us what we need to give, mercy. If we're true friends, we'll accept his forgiveness. And if we're true friends to others, then we'll forgive them. Yeah? Let's face it, we all make mistakes. While I was at the tennis still, Fiona, I was speaking to your husband. And I loved the conversation I had with Jerry. So... Was there the, the boy um, Samuel was playing tennis and um, Fiona's husband Jerry and I'm hoping he doesn't mind me sharing this story. He's not here to say yes or no. So anyway, he went for a bike ride. Before he went for the bike ride, because he, he just he'd been given a bike and he and he wanted to go for a ride. He can't run because of some sore calves. So the, keep the exercise going. I'll ride a bike. So he rings a friend of his and says, "Listen, I've been given this bike. I'm going to go for a ride tomorrow morning through here. Do you want to go?" Now, his friend says this. He goes, no, nah, I, I can't. I've actually got an injury. I, I, I would have loved to have gone, but I can't go. Okay, no worries. Hang up the phone. So Jerry goes for his bike ride, yeah? Rides up through the back of Bunningong, up and down the hills and all that sort of stuff. And he finally gets to a, an intersection, yeah? And he can see somebody coming up, a group of people coming up. So he, he's just waiting there. He's probably catching his breath. As this group of people come closer and closer... There's his injured friend, right? So the night before, I can't go, I'm injured, yeah? Coming towards him. Now, I learned something from Jerry because they stopped, they chatted, had a chat. Now, in his conversation with me, he said this. He goes, I wish he'd just told me why he didn't want to go. He was with his cycling group. He goes, they're really good. 
He goes, all he had to say was, Jed, I'm actually going with my cycling group and we're not going to wait for you. And then I could have made up my mind, you know. whether I, So I understand why he lied to me. And he goes on to say, so I'm okay with it. I understand why he did it. He didn't think I'd be able to keep up and he didn't want me to feel left out. He chose to... I reckon I would have been throwing stones as my buddy went past on the bike. Like, I probably would have tripped him up, kicked the bike. Okay, you lied to me. You know what? There's friendship in action, yeah? There is friendship in action. My friend lied to me blatantly, but I understand why he did it, and I'm okay with that. Come on. Wow. How... Unbelievable is that. There's mercy in action. There's Jerry, you know, not giving what the guy deserved. Yeah? Like take your water bottle off, throw it at him, whatever, you know? Something violent probably was required, but he chose not to do that. He showed mercy instead. We need to do the same. So here's my question to us all. Who in our lives do we need to forgive? Seriously. Who in our lives do we need to forgive? Particularly if we want to carry the title friend, a friend of God. It's a friend of God forgives. Who who do we know needs to receive this mercy from us? Yeah? Jesus calls us his friend. It's a high calling. It is a high calling. It is the highest calling. You know, if you've ever gotten into trouble of any kind, if you've ever had a major failure, if you've ever lost your way, it's in those times we realise just how important his friendship with us is. And it's in those times we realise how important our friendships are. True friendships, yeah? All I know is that Jesus showed up for me just when I needed him. My life seemed okay. And for a lot of you, you're thinking, yeah... I don't know about that. I got Jesus because my life was a mess. Some of you may be saying that, you know. Well, I didn't think my life was a mess. It was all right, okay. But you know what? He knew something I didn't know and he showed up just when I needed him the most. Yeah? And then it exposed the stuff that I thought was okay. Jesus knows your heart of hearts. God knows your heart of hearts. He comes just at the right time. It's no fluke. If you're willing to open yourself up to him, if you're willing to spend time with him, if you're willing to call yourself his friend, you know, why don't we stand? Has Jesus not shown unconditional love to you? Yeah? A true friend loves at all times. So no matter what you do, what happens or where life takes you, Jesus still loves you. He still calls you friend. So if I'm going to accept the title, friend, then I need to live worthy of the title. A true friend loves at all times. So those that are in your family, even when they're hitting the worst of the worst, having the worst day, no one wants to spend time with them. You wish they didn't even come to church. They're so gnarly. We've never had those experiences of people coming to church like that, have we? Even in those moments, as a true friend, 
you still love them. You still invite them out. You still offer them lunch. You'll probably still even pay. Because Jesus paid the price, didn't he? Anyway, when we were still sinners. You know, he shows us unwavering support. You know, a true friend's in for the long haul. Even when you've fallen, he's still in your corner, isn't he? And he calls us a friend. If you're going to carry the title friend, that means you're always going to be in the corner of somebody else. Always. Always. Even if you disagree with their football team. Even if you don't like the political party that they voted for. Yeah? Even if you don't like the shoes that they wear. Even if they drink tea, you will still be in their corner if you're going to take the title friend. You know, the truth is, any one of us could stop spending time with Jesus today. But then if we come back two days, two weeks, two months, two years later, he's still there. He's still waiting. He still loves us. Yeah? He is the most consistent friend that I know. So if you're going to take the title, if I'm going to take the title friend, that means that we need to be consistent. That means if we are truly friends, you may go away for a time. You may go interstate, overseas. We might not see each other because of work. But when we do, we don't start all over again. We start where we left off. Yeah? Because that's what a friend of God is like. It just depends whether we want to be that type of friend. Depends whether, um, depends whether we want to carry the title. So your true friend's willing to lay down their life for the other. Even when you disagree. God was willing to lay down the life of his son even though he vehemently disagreed with how mankind was going. Yeah, Because while we were still sinners, he died for us. Now he calls us friend. Are we willing to wear that cap? Are we willing to bear that name, a friend of God? Can I um, have some keys and maybe a guitar? Is that all right, Georgia and Ollie? Even if it's just some background music, I don't mind. I figure we should pray. <laughs> See, we're not meant to be like everybody else. We're not meant to be like the unchurched, unsaved world, however you want to deem it those that don't know God and we're not supposed to be like the religious, those that have a form of godliness but deny its power. We are not supposed to be like that. We can be like that if we choose, yeah? But we're not supposed to be like that. There's a higher calling on our lives. People that encounter us are supposed to come away thinking, oh my goodness, man, those people, they are unbelievable. They just love and love. They, I just so love them. <laughs> so he calls you friend. What now? What's next? Where do you go? Do you stay the way that you are? Do you answer people like you always have? Or do you come... And, and, and live in a level of intimacy where God's revealing the mysteries of heaven, that you're acting the way that, that He does, that you're becoming more and more like His Son, 
that when people encounter you, they just feel an, an, an overflow of His love lavished all over their lives. And the truth is, if we look deep in our heart of hearts, just for a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just again. Deep in your heart of hearts, there are some of us here that know that we have not been good friends to God. He calls us His friend, yet we have not acted like a friend. We haven't been frequent, we haven't been consistent, we haven't been vulnerable. Some of us here that know we've not been a friend to those that are around us. Those in our lives, those in our church, those outside of our church. So I want to give you an opportunity. This is just between you and God. This is an opportunity to say, hey, Father, I want to take on that title, friend. Not just when it suits me. Not just when it's easy. But I want to wear that cap. I want to bear that name every day. I want to bear that name in my relationship with you. I want people around me to know that I'm your friend. I want to be that friend to them. I want their lives changed because they've encountered me because I've been with you. Some people will only ever meet him through you. And they won't meet him because you're a privileged son and daughter. They will meet him through you because you are a friend of the Most High. So just while the music plays, if that's you, I just want you to have a conversation with your God. I don't want to have to lead you. I don't want to have to get you to put your hand up to make a commitment. I'm asking you to speak to your friend. Lord, in this house right now, God, we just ask that you would continue to give us the grace and the ability, the mercy to be your friend. God, more so, we pray that we won't be like those that have a form of godliness but deny its power. Lord, we don't want to be unholy or boastful, God. We don't want to be treacherous. Father, we don't want to be that type of person. Lord, we want to be a friend. Steadfast, God. Open and vulnerable, mature. Speaking words of life. Lord, we want to be that person, that friend. Lord, we want to spend more time with you. Not because we have to, but because we desire to. Lord, that that desire would become a delight, that we would grow more and more and more, Father, that you would change us to make us more like your son, Jesus. That we would wear the name friend as a badge of high distinction. So wherever you are right now, I'm going to ask that you place your hand on the person next to you.
For those that have a, a really big personal space, I apologise, but we're a family here, yeah? And we believe in praying for each other. If you're sitting alone, standing alone, find someone, walk up to someone. If you see someone alone, make an effort. Just walk over to them now. Lay your hands on them and start to pray. The same spirit that's inside of you is inside of them, yeah? Father, right now we pray for each and every one of us. Father, we pray that we would step into a friendship that would leave people's lives different. Father, changed forevermore. God, that they would encounter the Son of the living God through us. That they would be loved. That we would always be in their corner. That we would have their back. That we would speak words of life and encouragement, uplifting and comforting words. God, in this place, we would continue to build from a place of strength. From glory to glory and from strength to strength. Father, that our family would grow. Lord, that this Jesus revolution, God, in our hearts would continue. That we won't take for granted the unlimited access we have into heaven. Lord, that we would take hold with two hands and be totally blessed and blown away by the mysteries of heaven you share. We thank you, God. We thank you for this moment. We ask you, God, to seal it, Father, in the hearts of each and every person. Lord, that it would be dealt with. That our struggles, God, we would be open and courageous enough to share them with those that we call a friend. That those that we see as a friend of God, that they would journey with us. That we would see those struggles dissipate and go and disappear. Lord, as we hand them over to you. Lord, we are your friends. We say thank you. Thank you that you found us, that you discovered us, that you chased us, that you were so desperate for us, that you sent your son on the cross for each and every one of us. Lord, we are indebted to you. And so this day, in this place, in this church, everyone in the house says yes, yes, and amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Build your friendship, church. Build your friendship with Him. Build your friendship with each other. Allow Him to share the mysteries of heaven. And just watch and see what God does to a man and woman of God that has the title friend. Amen? Amen.